and welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And I am here for you. And welcome to the service-oriented program. You are listening live from home studios in Woodridge, Illinois. Feel the crowd. Feel the power for recap excellence. That's what you're in store for tonight. Thanks for joining us. We've got a great recap episode in store for you. We've had a ton of downloads and we've had a great year. We've been downloaded in 11 countries. And tonight we're going to say thank you to our international fan base um, in an international language. We're also going to be talking sports, NFL, NBA, college hoops. Uh, We're also going to be doing, I recommend a section where Len and I recommend something in life that will make your life better. Um, Something in life. Something in life. Something that you see during life's uh, adventures that will enhance yours. I think I've explained this enough. Uh, Then we're going to have, uh, we're going to talk about Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time, and then finish up with Len's favorite 500 albums of all time. It's going to be an excellent recap episode. But first, before we get into uh, the actual um, topics of the recap episode, we just want to say that we want to thank everyone who's listened to Jag Bags this year. We've had another great year. We're coming down to the end of it. And we, uh, of course, got our, as everyone was getting their Spotify year in review recap, uh, Apple Music uh, year in review recap. Well, Jag Bags is no different. We got our own year in review recap. Um, the uh, demographics were interesting. People liked me more. That's not true. They, they, didn't, they didn't get into that. But uh, they... Uh, well, the Ohio Diamond listeners did. I know that. <laughs> right. The Woodridge. Len dominated Woodridge. Woodridge was like a clean sweep for uh, for Len. Um, but uh, it also said that we were downloaded in 11 countries. 11. And we uh, proudly posted that on Facebook and were ripped for our popularity in autocratic regimes such as Yemen and uh, North Korea, um, which is not true. Uh, I'm not going to say what countries downloaded us for reasons of privacy. Uh, I know that those countries want to maintain their autonomy and not really be exposed to, um, you know, je- uh, jealousy from anti-Jagbags fashion factions. And they're, they're out there. Um, so I just thought, and Len and I decided that we just say thank you to uh, those in around the world who downloaded and listened to Jagbags in a... Uh, in a foreign language, so so that they can more easily understand. So from the bottom of our heart, we say Elio Tak Irir Ja Godan Dagi Gotabold Egg IT Afsakyo Firir Yefdu Verdi Be Gaman 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 Hevirning Hefur Slam Tak. Uh I would translate that, but um again, privacy issues. Uh uh, Please tell me that Alex didn't get that for you. Uh, he did. Uh, got one, put it right into Google Translate, and out came uh, a very beautiful ancient language. Oh, no. Uh, I'm sure that uh, our international diamond listeners are standing up and applauding. I'm sure of it. Oh, brother, I'm getting a notification on my phone. Jag bags international incident. I, I don't even want to look. I don't even want to look. I think, it's, I think it's Jag Bags host suspected of LSD use yet. Mm. A, a, a Jag Bags alienates every international listener. <laughs> the Geneva with, with questionable translation. 
the UN is holding a, a special um, session <laughs> right now to discuss that travesty that just took place. Oh, no. Um, anyway, so tack fear to you. And let's move on to uh, sports. Let's start with the NFL. Uh, My phone is blowing up, Eve. Oh, good. That's good, right? Not good. No, because I can see the text and most of them say, what were you thinking? <laughs> just, it's okay. Just text them back and just say tack fear and, and you'll be fine. I'm not going to do that because I need to probably separate myself from you now. And Alex. <laughs> T-A-K-K base F-Y-R-I-R. Uh, I can, uh, I can, I can translate the entire speech. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. What uh, happened to the Browns' defense yesterday? <laughs> Honestly, full disclosure, I did not watch the game. I had a bad feeling about it. Um, no, I don't get. Really? The, I don't get the NFL pass. And our fearless sound engineer called me and said, "I've got a home project, and I'm all by myself. So if this is going to happen, it's up to you." And so uh, I spent my Sunday over at. Uh, our, our fantastic sound engineer's apartment, moving back and forth, to doing a little bit of a home repair. And so for a good cause, so I did miss the game. I was following it on my phone and it was kind of close, I saw. I got your text as well, starting out promising. I didn't even know it was even on regular television. It sounded like you were watching. No, no, no. I just saw that they scored right away. Yeah. They did show the last three minutes, but the game was basically done then. Yeah. I think, yeah, the Rams got a safety, I think, at the end. Right. See, I, I thought... I thought you guys would win that game because of your defense, but the Rams scored like 30 points, 37 points. Yeah. The, um, our NFL insider uh, and uh, Browns expert Matt Byer pointed out to me that the Browns defense, uh, especially on the road uh, at home, they're still remain really strong. But if you look at their point totals on the road for the last few games, not good. Um, mm-hmm. They got rolled in LA. Seattle scored a ton of points against them. Indianapolis scored a lot of points against them. That was Gardner Minshew. I think that was carving up the Browns defense. So something seems to happen though. Um, even Baltimore, I mean, Baltimore, Baltimore was scoring at will. Is just the Browns scored more. Watson had his, you know, his signature game. But here, here's the thing: the three teams you mentioned is, yeah, Minshew's on the Colts, right? Yeah, they won again yesterday. Yeah, the Rams all of a sudden are in the playoff hunt, right? I mean, they won the Super Bowl what three years ago? Everyone's in the playoff hunt, yeah. And they got Stafford and Cup both playing again. Yep. And then Seattle also scored a lot of points against the Cowboys who are supposed to have a good defense. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I have to say I was not confident going into that game just because of the Browns QB issues and Flacco making his first start in how long? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it'd be a scoring game, but he seemed to have played fairly well from what I heard. The glass half full, the optimistic viewpoint says that Flacco is a guy who can put, you know, in the area of 21 points on the scoreboard. And that's enough to keep you in games, especially if the Browns defense plays like we know it can. So Mm -hmm. that's the that's the optimistic view. They um, they get Jacksonville next week. Now, Lawrence got hurt tonight and was carried off the field. Hard to say whether he will play. Really? Wow. Now, now they didn't say if it's serious. They probably don't know if it's serious or not. Jacksonville lost to the Bengals. Um, uh, That's a shocker. Yeah. yeah, at the buzzer, at the gun, at the final gun. Not the buzzer, but the gun. Um, <laughs> 
Did they even use the gun? That Lawrence sprained his ankle. That doesn't sound too serious. Well, if it's a sprain, that takes at least a week to heal usually, so he might not play. Right. Yeah. I guess it depends on how... Uh, I can't believe they lost, though. Yeah, that's... You thought, the, you thought the Bengals were done, and then they're like, nope, we're going we're gonna to win. Yeah. I mean, the season's been so strange. Very strange. Uh, what was your take on the Chiefs-Packers game? That was all over social media this morning for the referee. Uh, it was interference. Miscues at the end of the game. It was interference. The Chiefs would have hit the ball on the four-yard line with probably 20-something seconds left. So they probably would have, they, well, they would have had to get two-point conversion, but good chance it should have gone into overtime. Mm-hmm. So... That was frustrating, but the Chiefs have so many other problems. I don't, I, I don't watch the Chiefs and think they're a Super Bowl team. Right? They don't have the receivers. They don't have, they don't have the weapons, and their defense and their offensive line both had some bad moments. And their defense has been good all year. I mean, you took, we were talking about the Browns' defense, but the Chiefs yesterday made some mistakes, and they got guys hurt. Yeah. One like they were, they their third string linebacker was calling the defensive plays, and the offense. Offensive line gave three sacks in the red zone. Yeah. So, and those are usually strengths of their team. This year, their defense has been better than the offense, but the offensive line, well, Mahomes is great at escaping pressure usually, but not yesterday. And that's what hurt them because they got field goals instead of touchdowns. But they still, without that, if they would have called interference, who knows? Maybe they get it done in overtime. But they do not, the Chiefs do not look like a championship team. If they were, if I thought they were, I probably would have been mad. I probably would have been angrier than and i didn't watch it live i watched it dvr but i didn't know what happened either mm. i was like about an hour and a half behind did you feel that because i went on a walk through woodridge because basketball got canceled so i was saying hello to all the neighbors and wishing them holiday chair and, and uh, they you know they were bringing me little snacks as i walked so it was nice you were playing rem's wendell g at top <laughs> ball. exactly um uh did, uh, here's my question. Did you feel that the win was more, hey, the Packers are figuring some things out and looking good? Or was it hey, maybe the Chiefs are just, you know, it was just kind of like two. The Chiefs are who they are and the Packers just had an okay night. The first half, the Packers looked pretty good. The second half, I didn't think the Packers looked that great. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sold on the Packers. I think they like to think the Packers are going to be good because then you get that continuation, the Favre, Rodgers, yeah. Jordan love thing and makes her a good story but he didn't i mean i've seen him play a few times this year and i, I don't see it yet I don't right see it yet they did post some crazy stats though where his first 11 games are almost exactly the same as rogers were like exactly wow just crazy they're both five and six they both had the same amount of yardage i think and the same amount of touchdowns just spooky it is spooky but the packers don't i mean if aaron jones comes back maybe but if you i watched the 49ers crush the eagles if the 49ers stay healthy i don't think anybody can beat them because purdy was clicking debo samuel had a great game mccaffrey had some great plays kittle is it kittle or kittles Kittle, like ron kittle. like ron kittle instead of Kittle. Yeah, i get thinking i'm thinking of carry kittles i always want to add an s yeah i think ron. he made some plays so they had all these guys doing stuff their their defense was harassing Hurts, although it took them a quarter. The first quarter, the 49ers didn't do anything, and then they just dominated the rest of the game. But they look like the most talented team. Yeah. Can't trust the Cowboys. And, I mean, who else is there in the NFC? Um, Detroit. 
the the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles are good. They might have just had their nobody's perfect. Yeah, I guess Detroit. A nice Detroit. They outlasted. That's I watched some of their game too. They outlasted. Who did they play yesterday? Um, I'll look it why up. Can't I can't think of who they played. Who they played yesterday? But that wasn't a dominating win by any means. Yeah, they went up twenty-one to nothing. They beat they beat New Orleans. New Orleans. They went up twenty-one to nothing, but then they won by what a few points. It was like thirty-three to twenty-eight or something. Yeah, they won by five. And that was with Carr getting taken out of the game. Right. Winston had to come in. Right. If Carr stays in that game, who knows? Who knows? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the Lions aren't exactly peaking right now either. They and are, they are yes. nice. As shown on television, the Bears are in the hunt. I your I did kind of I did kind of laugh, but on I think it was on Fox. On Fox, they're like you know uh, division winners, wild card, and then others. Mm-hmm. They had the Bears in there, and I kind of laughed when I saw that. But on Channel Five, they didn't list the Bears, which I I've sent them an angry angry statement. Excuse me, the Bears are in the hunt. Uh, they're four and eight. Your uh your flawless Facebook timeline of how they can make the playoffs was <laughs> I don't leave. Honestly, that was tongue in cheek, but it's not impossible. Not a, it was compelling, and I liked the responses that you got. Uh, there was accusations of drunkenness. Uh, there were uh, uh, concerns for your mental health. Uh, you know, uh, lots of uh, support <laughs> for you. It's true, though. But look at it. Look at it. the lions right now are not peaking, mm-hmm. and they could be hurting in confidence. And the Bears almost beat them the last time they played them. Could be. And I'm being serious about this. The Bears defense has played pretty well. They have. So if the Bears defense could bother Goff again like they did in the other game. Yeah. And they play the Browns. Loss. <laughs> I'll just say right now. Loss. <laughs> it is in Cleveland though. That might be a tough that might be a tougher one than the Lions even. Dare you say the Browns have quarterback issues? They have Joe Flacco, sir. Joe Flacco, Super Bowl winner. But then they play the car. The Cardinals were pretty bad, even though they beat the Steelers. Yeah, they, Atlanta, who's average, and yeah. then the Packers. So it's not. I know people are like, "You're drunk. You're crazy," but it's not impossible. You're drunk. They would have to be. We'll find out on Sunday. If they beat the Lions, then all bets are off. And it's yeah, crazy. if they lose, they're probably out of. I mean, they're out. They are out of it. They can't. They can't lose any games. Right. But it's not like they're playing world beaters every week. The Broncos won five in a row recently, and and yeah. it held themselves right into the playoff hunt after being left for dead. It was nice though they lost though Denver. At least Denver lost yesterday. Yeah. Bruce says it's uh, Broncos fever out in the, in, the, in the area. Yeah, but they lost to the Texans. Yeah. Um, yeah, I figured the Browns need three wins to get it. So they then their most realistic chances of winning are the Bears, the Jets, and I was going to say Cincinnati, and hopefully that was just a fluke. Um, but this year's so hard to predict. Who knows? If, if you're like a professional prognosticator, you're probably having a hard time this year. Oh, my God, yes. I wouldn't so bet. You're like, what? I wouldn't bet on the NFL. So much parody upsets every week. Yeah, no way. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about the NBA? Yes. Uh, Okay. So what do you make of the Bulls' uh, incredible win over Milwaukee, which was forced into overtime by an incredible 
three-point shot over all defensive player Brooke Lopez by Alex Caruso to send the game in overtime. Unbelievable. No Levine, no DeRozan. And it was like addition by subtraction. Yeah, it was a nice win. And the Bucks usually beat us pretty easily. Yeah. So that was a big surprise. And then the game after that was pretty impressive too, because New Orleans had Williamson back. Mm-hmm. Williamson looked good. Williamson was getting to the basket at will. Plus, you know, they had Brandon Ingram, who usually plays well. He's a good player anyways, but he usually plays really well against the Bulls. Yeah. And they they got it done against them in a close game. Kobe White played great. Yeah. And, well, DeRozan played in that game. I think he had, I think he had 10 assists in that game. Yeah. So he was being a playmaker in that one. And when I read in the paper, the, <laughs> the Sun-Times favorite things to do now are, are to rip on Levine and Justin Fields. The Justin Fields stuff, I think, is unwarranted a lot. Right. But the Levine stuff, I kind of agree with. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a question of when Levine will, uh, of if Levine will be traded. It's when. Right. And what the Bulls players are going to try to do is convince Levine to play like they've been playing. (laughs) Like sharing the ball. And not doing hero ball. Right. And I don't even think Levine does hero ball that much, but I don't think Levine is a guy who has a high basketball IQ ever. I was going to say, Levine has no idea how to play that style of game. He has no idea. And he's never the defense thing. They are trying to, like last year, I remember all year, they're like, oh, he's better on defense this year. And now they're like trying to not say he's bad at defense, but they're pretty much saying that. Right. It's like, he's how long has he been in the league? He doesn't want to play defense. And I don't think he understands defensive concepts. That's just how they how he is. I don't I don't think Levine's a bad guy. And I don't I don't think he doesn't want to win or anything, but it's like you wish you could give him the brain, basketball brain of somebody else, and then yeah. he'd be a great player. But it's it's not gonna happen. He's he's been in the league for too long now. He's not going to all of a sudden turn into a great defender and playmaker. It's just not. He's a six man. How many times do I have to say that? He's a six man. All the Bulls have to just do is go in the game and shoot. That's what, that's what he should do. Yep. So he doesn't have to think about anything. Just go out there and shoot. Uh, all the Bulls need to do is get rid of Levine and Drummond, and they are a playoff team. Uh, those, those two are holding them down. I mean, I'm kind of I'm half kidding about Drummond, but I'm half serious. <laughs> Drummond on your team equals you are bad. And uh <laughs> It's nothing he does. I don't know whether it's his jeans and his sandals while he plays or, you know, you know <laughs> what it is. Well, it's nice to see. I like Kobe White. And as I always say, he always plays better when Levine's not on the court. Right. And he gets Iowa more minutes. Patrick Williams has played better lately. You just because you want to you, you get on a team with your young guy. You get on a team with Fukovic. DeRozan and Levine. By nature, you're, you're going to defer to those guys. Sure. But maybe you shouldn't. I mean, it, you definitely shouldn't now. Right. Because even, and I like DeRozan, but even the Pelicans game I saw, I probably saw the second half or maybe the fourth quarter. Right. The end of the game, I was like, no, 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 let, let Kobe White have the ball. And DeRozan would have it in his hands. I'm like, no, give it to Kobe White. <laughs> yeah. Because he had like eight threes. Like, let him. And he, he made big plays. Right. He he threw a lob to Williams for a dunk down a game that clinched the game. Right. So, I mean, yeah, they what you want to do. I mean, we're not, we're seven and 14, I think. Right. Play the young guys, try to get rid of, if you can get rid of Levine and Vukovic, that'd be nice. There's two more winnable games coming up, Charlotte and then San Antonio. 
Yeah, I definitely want to watch the San Antonio game just to watch uh, Wembeyama. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Wembeyama. Yeah, I think I'm working though, so I might not be able to see it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, get some confidence going. Win a couple more games. Keep going. I feel like out of the three veterans, DeRozan, DeRozan is the one who works the best with the younger guys because we talk about Levine and Vukovic wants everything to go through him too. Yeah, but we've proven that that doesn't work. So try something else. Right. Yeah. And what's going on? What's going on with the Cavs? I've seen, I saw a couple box scores and I feel like Garland's in a shooting slump. Uh, you know, the Cavs are, the Cavs are pretty up and down. They've had some nice wins and then they've had some very baffling losses. Um, but don't you feel like they should be better than they have been? I feel like they are still trying to figure out their lineups because they have added Struess and they've added Garland. And now this Craig Porter Jr. guy has come out of nowhere and is giving them quality minutes. I mean, we've seen that the guy can, you know, the guy can play a competent backup point guard. And so I think Bickerstaff is trying to figure all this out and, um, he put some goofy lineups out there. I have to say, um, they sometimes they look great. They beat the Sixers in Philly without Donovan Mitchell. Um, great win. They beat Denver without Mitchell. No problem. That was great. Then they got pounded by the Heat. Played the Lakers. Yeah, I think the Heat game was. I don't know if it was the Heat game or one of the other games. I felt like every guard on your team shot terribly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they're all like six for 20. I'm going to chalk it up to tired legs and the second night, second game in two nights. Was that what that was? Okay. That's, I'm chalking up because that was a very bad loss. The Lakers game was, the Lakers game, they played them tough, but too much LeBron down the stretch. And then, then Mitchell went, Mitchell tried to play hero ball um, and, and, and did not shoot the ball well. Then he did not. I think he was something like four for 18. Yeah. And then the next night against um, Toronto, even though they won, he was four for 17. So people were getting on Mitchell's case. Yeah. Um, but then he, they turned around, shot great against uh, Atlanta, looked terrific. Then they had a game against Portland at home and they just stunk. They were all, Garland had eight turnovers. And, you know, if you're a point guard, you cannot be making eight turnovers. And I, I, I feel like they're, I, I wonder if they're just like out of shape because, you know, they were dealing, Mitchell had a bad hamstring and then Garland had a bad hamstring. And then Jared Allen had kind of leg problems. That to me says you're not in shape. Or your training staff's not good. Yeah, something. You're not getting them ready for the games. I mean, what's up? Yeah. Yeah. Then they played the Pistons, which was a nail biter because the Pistons have lost 17 games in a row. <laughs> and uh, geez, I just I was like, if they lose to the Pistons, this team's in trouble. Um, but they won. They've won three out of their last four. I still am not worried. The, the the main thing that I'm starting to really worry about is J.B. Bickerstaff. I just wonder whether he is the guy. Remember when Doug Collins got fired for the Bulls? Yeah. Reinsdorf said they needed a guy that can take them from point B to point C. Like Collins mm-hmm. could only take the Bulls so far, and it was some time for someone else. who And they turned to a, like an unknown assistant who turned out to be the greatest hire they could have ever made. But mm-hmm. I wonder if the same thing is going on with Bickerstaff. Some of these lines lineups he puts out are screwy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he puts out sometimes he puts out Garland and Porter. I'm like, why do you have two point guards out there at the same time? I don't get that at all. Mm-hmm. Other times he's got Mitchell 
Levert, Struess, and Niang, and Mobley. These are, <laughs> first of all, Mobley is never going to see the ball. Yeah. Because those four guys are, talk about a bad fit. I don't even know who's bringing the ball up. And whoever's bringing the ball up, they're not passing. <laughs> I mean, they they might pass. They all have bits of Zach Levine tendencies in them. And I just don't understand the thinking behind that kind of lineup. So, you know, I, uh, some, there's some, I think the rumbling is over Bickerstaff. I think that if Mitchell, Mitchell's, I think, uh, he had a bad weekend and he took a lot of grief for that. I think, especially given the fact that they beat Denver and Philly without, without Mitchell. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe what I like about Mitchell is he's a guy in the fourth quarter, you always need a guy who create his own shot who um, is going to attack and seems to make winning plays. And, you know, you'd think a guy like Levine could do that. And just, you know, a guy like DeRozan has shown the ability to do that. And Mitchell has definitely shown the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think Garland is, <laughs> he could be that guy. I think he's a, a year or so away from being that guy. Someone you trust. Mm-hmm. He has the ability. Mobley is defensively, he's Mo- defensive Mobley is just so good. Offensively, uh, he's still got a few things to iron out. So, well, you, you, all these guys' names you read off—they're all shooters, yeah. they're all scorers. Yeah, even a guy like Lavert, who's a, who's on your bench. He, he wants to put his shots up. Levert is what you were saying about Zach Levine. He's the sixth man, and his job is when he goes in the game, shoot. Yeah. Your role, we're going to play some defense, you know, maybe, you know, do the little things, attack the offensive glass. And um, and Levert does have a bit of an IQ. I've seen him make some good passes. But for the most part, yeah, he's he's a ball stopper. He's going to try and get you in a well, one-up situation. I'm saying, like, as far as getting shots, Mitchell's going to get the most. Mm-hmm. Then probably Garland, right? Yeah. And you have Levert coming in off the bench, ready to shoot. And then if you have a guy like Struess on your team, you got to get him some shots. You have to. And Struess, so that kind of squeezes any lot of chances for Mobley. And you're not even talking about Allen, who's I been know. an all-star and can score in the post, right? Allen, real quick, and then we'll move on. Allen, he's a guy that I'm starting to, I don't know if I'm down on him, but here's the thing about Allen. He should be a consistent 20 and 10 guy. He has the ability. And there are nights where he is that guy. And then there's other nights he disappears. And yeah. I don't know why that is. I think your team's got a lot of talent, but maybe it's like Mitchell's the main guy because before Mitchell was on the team, don't you think Allen played better? Possibly. And I, possibly it might be partly that. Yeah. I think they're still trying to figure out how Struess fits in because mm-hmm. Struess can make that offense really go because he is a consistent. Yeah. That's a normal thing. I mean, he, he, you just got him on your team. So, yeah. And Niang, sometimes I really like what Niang, Niang is the guy in a pickup ball who kind of waddles around the court. He's not in the world's greatest shape. He's another one. And you're just like, how is he doing it? And he's got a huge <laughs> butt. He's knocking people out of the way, but he's getting a key rebound. He's like high-fiving everybody and everyone seems to like him. And uh, I, at first I didn't know what to think about George Niang, but he's starting to grow on me. Anyway, that's that's the NBA. Oh, and one last thing. I don't know if you watched the Dallas-Oklahoma City game the other night. Nope. So I watched it. Uh, Oklahoma was winning. Oklahoma City was winning by 24 points. Dallas goes on a 30 to nothing run. <laughs> I did read about it. <laughs> oh my God. And so they were down 24 and then they went up six and the thunder, they were out of timeouts. They were discombobulated. The crowd is going berserk. And, uh, and then Dallas just folded, <laughs> just, they had nothing left in the tank. 
and Oklahoma City won. And I was yeah, like, it's an insane game. What is more like a demoralizing or what is a better accomplishment to go on a 30 nothing run or to give up a 30 to nothing run and still win the game? Yeah. Um, pretty wild game. Yeah. And Luca's numbers were out of control. <laughs> Including his turnovers. Um, he texted me and said, did B see what I did? <laughs> I did. I, I sent him, I broke down all of his turnovers and uh, and offered some tips. He hasn't gotten back to me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk college hoops real quick. Yeah. I mean, how long were you at Liquor Box? Oh, God. What a game. It was a great game. Uh, and you could see Purdue. Purdue lost to Northwestern. Second year in a row that NU has beaten Purdue at home while Purdue was ranked number one. And Bowie had 31 points, nine assists. What a game for him. Did you hear what Bowie said after the game when he was getting interviewed? No. He said that him and uh, Edie are the two best players in the country. <laughs> <laughs> I like the confidence. I tell you what, you know, I watched the Mark. I've seen Purdue twice now. And they played Marquette and then they played Northwestern. And Northwest, first of all, I am insufferable around the house right now. Completely insufferable uh, with my trash talking. Uh, I do it at a safe distance where I can't be killed. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I am... Uh, relentless like judd nelson and uh but i think that the reason northwestern was able to win was because Bowie and those guards and ty berry um they are they are experienced and when they say they're experienced they knew how to attack Edie. they actually outscored purdue in the paint which is incredible and they have a guard uh, oriented attack but they know they're experienced with Edie, so they know okay he's staying put i can just put up that floater or oh he's coming out at me and make the right pass and they were able and whereas marquette they got into the lane very easily because their guards are really good but then they would see the big guy and they would freeze up they would Mm -hmm. maybe oh i had an open shot but he's there he might be there and they'd pass out and i think that was i think and you like you were saying before about NU, I mean, Bowie, Barry, um, the greatest center of all time, Nicholson, uh, Barnheiser, these guys have all played together. They do have experience. And even Langborg, who is their new, he's replaced uh, Chase Odige. He's from Princeton and Princeton got into the NCAA tournament last year. And Langborg. Is, yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's used to those. He's used to the pressure. He's no stranger to those big moments. But a couple other things about Northwestern in that game. Well, just Northwestern in general too. <laughs> so after the game, I, I was at work, but I got home and a game was still on. So I saw like the last couple minutes of overtime. I'm like, what? This game's still on still? And I watched after the game, watched the highlights because uh, Bruce Weber was one yeah. of the people. I love Bruce Weber. Yeah, he's great. And but the other guy, I don't even know who is what his name was. He's yeah. like, oh, Ty Berry was was taking smart shots. But they showed the highlights, and he was like shooting these contested threes. Like those aren't really smart shots. He was just hot. They didn't win because he was taking smart shots. He would he just he was unconscious. He made some huge shots, but they were not. <laughs> Good shot. Not like good. he had a guy in his face. That's not good. What? I mean, if you're hot, they keep going in. Shooting. And then the other thing is, so Northwestern makes a tournament last year. They lose one of their guys. Granted, he's one of their best guys. 
Then they beat the number one. Was yeah, Purdue was number one. They beat the number one team in the country. They're still not ranked. That doesn't make any sense. But Wisconsin is. Wisconsin has two losses. They're ranked. Purdue has. I mean, Northwestern has one loss. No respect. It's. I would be so mad. I would be so. I have been texting Nicholson about it. He just sends me mashed potato recipes back. But I'm trying to fire him up. Yeah. Send him a beard grooming tips. Did you see his beard? It's out of control. <laughs> Uh, you know, on your way down to Mashwaters, maybe stop at a barber and get that. Okay, Abe Lincoln, more like Grizzly Adams. He's going for his Bill, he's going for his Bill he, Walton look. He's got an extra large hairnet, <laughs> one for his beard, one for his hair. Because, I mean, if you're going to intern at Mashwaters, you have to follow all health, health, uh, whatever, health rules, whatever. There are city, the city regulations. City, yes. Nicholson, come on. Nicholson also has a new friend. Did you watch any Luke Hunger? Uh, uh, Hunger. Uh, you said he's your new friend. Hunger is my guy. Hunger. In a big three. Hunger made a huge three and then uh, his running down the court reminded me of me after making a uh, (laughs) shot queen of angels i mean (laughs) there you go oh man luke hunger my guy uh Anyway, Arizona, number one, uh, and then a big shakeup. I think Kansas beat UConn. Oh, I think they're going to be ranked pretty high. I didn't see who's number two now, whether it's Purdue. But anyway, uh, should be a fun year. And I think the Big Ten's going to be good again. I mean, yeah, Purdue, Wisconsin, Northwestern. Illinois. Ohio State's been playing well. I don't they, think they're ranked, but I think they're like seven and one. Yep, Illinois. Oh, yeah, Illinois. We didn't even talk about Illinois. Real quick, let's talk about a little bit about Illinois. Yep. They got a test coming up. They're playing... Florida Atlantic, who's ranked? They're ranked. Yeah. Something. Illinois is ranked, I think, 20th now. They went up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I think this will be a good one to watch. I agree. Like the Marquette game they had earlier in the year, they were in it the whole time. They just turned the ball over too much. So hopefully they can hold on to the ball better and maybe they can get a win against this ranked team. Yeah. It's totally. so early, though. It's only December. So early. Yeah. I'm looking to see if there's any. So Illinois is number 20. Well, they killed Rutgers. Yeah. And I looked at Rutgers box score and I didn't recognize any of the players. So uh, Illinois is ranked in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is ranked along with Purdue. And I think that's it. And then, so then Ohio State got a lot of votes. Northwestern got a lot of votes. Michigan State got some votes. Michigan State will be in it. They always are. They always, that, that was all the um, that was all the the Big Ten teams. Yeah, I haven't really seen a preview. Usually, I'll, I'll read a preview of the conference season, but I haven't seen one yet. So yeah, I'll have to read up on it. We're going up on Wednesday to watch Marquette play Texas. So I'll report back on that. That's, mm-hmm. that's Wednesday night, and Texas is number twelve, so they have a good team. Florida Atlantic is seven and one, and weren't they the team that made the Final Four last year? Was it last year? Yeah, was that them? I think so. And their coach used to be a big Indiana guy. He played at Indiana, I think. He's a Bob Knight disciple. Anyway, that should be a good game. Okay, anything else on college hoops? No, that's it. We can move on to I recommend. All right. Do uh, you want me to go first? or? Yeah. So uh, surprise, surprise. Yet again, Beave recommends a documentary where LSD plays a uh, prominent uh, part. Um, the But it does contain a few bands that we have discussed on Jag Bags. And it's a, uh, it's a brand new documentary. It's called San Francisco Sounds. And it's on Amazon. And it's directed by Allison Elwood, whom I feel is... 
um uh familiar and uh but i'm not sure why but anyway i'll i think she's directed some 30 for 30s oh she directed history of the eagles you ever remember that documentary Mm -mm. um oh you never seen history of the eagles no oh that's another one i recommend i absolutely recommend history of the eagles but that's for another pod episode but this one is new and it's called san francisco sounds and it just talks about the rise of the whole cultural scene in san francisco during the 60s and it goes over the Grateful Dead, which we talked about with our friend Chris Markham on an earlier podcast. It also talks about Jefferson Airplane, whom we covered on another um, podcast episode. I mean, we're writing the screenplay for that movie. I mean, we got some great material. Uh, and not only that, but then there's... Um, Big Brother and the Holding Company with Janis Joplin. There's the Steve Miller Band. I forgot they were from San Francisco. Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, Bill Graham, who manages the Fillmore East. Uh, the the writer the writer who plays a big part in it um, and has interviewed quite a bit is Ben Fong Torres. Yeah, he is. Uh, he was one of the first writers for Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Was a big part, and it's just very, very good. Two favorite parts. Um, well, three. Uh, the first is where uh, country, the country Joe McDonald and the Fish, uh, that band. He yeah. uh, uh, he beats up with the inventor of LSD, and uh, he says, "Hey, if you're playing the Monterey Pop, Pop Festival." <laughs> I've invented a new drug and here, try this pill. And he goes, well, if I'm going to get a pill, you should give me a pill and a half just to make sure it works. And uh, then I'm seeing now why Beav is recommending this. (laughs) He said for the next week and a half, I was living inside a Monet painting. (laughs) That's my favorite. So that was funny. Um, We talked on the uh, Jefferson airplane uh, documentary about uh, Grace Slick and how she was in a band with her husband um, and his brother and, and wrote two songs for them and said, yeah, actually, you know what? I'm joining the Jefferson Airplane. And uh, uh, But they had these uh, audio clips of Grace Slick and her first band, The Great Society, and they're in a recording session. And the producer is a young DJ named Sylvester Stewart, who went on to become Sly Stone. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to produce these guys, and he is just like in the he's in the uh, control room. He's like you to me during these our uh, our clips. He's like, nope, that's wrong. <laughs> you just, oh, you blew it. He, he hated the drummer too. Get out of there. You can hear him. He's on the microphone. Get out of there. I'm playing the drums. And he's like, you guys are terrible. And I, apparently, Grace Slick agreed. She was. She joined them. What's the sign? Amazon. Prime. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch that. What's it's, it called again? San Francisco Sounds. Yeah, I would definitely enjoy that one. It's extremely interesting. And it's all kinds of things where you're like, oh, um, I remember that. Uh, my third favorite part is Janis Joplin. She joins this big brother in the holding company and they are very popular around town. And when it's time for them for the Monterey Pop Festival, they are one of the seminal acts of the band. And they interviewed the guitar player for big brother. And he said, you know, we had been working so hard and we were really coming together. And that Monterey Pop Festival was like two years of work and it was just all coming together. And it was our greatest accomplishment. And as the show, as the concert was going on, I knew that it was our best and that it was over because Janis Joplin was becoming, 
I just knew who they were there to see. And it was mm-hmm. like the greatest night of my life, but it was also the saddest because I knew that that it was over. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they have moments like that as well. Uh, also, Peter Coyote is everywhere. Who knew that he was a major hippie uh, during uh, <laughs> that time period? That's all I'm going to say about Peter Coyote. I'm like, oh, here's Peter Coyote again. Uh, but they get into the art. They get into the concert venues. Bill Graham. It's really good. San Francisco Sounds. I recommend. My I recommend is a movie that came out earlier this year. Watched it on DVD called Joyride. Joyride. It's a comedy. It features Ashley Park, who is on Only Murders in the Building this year. Oh, yeah. A show we're both enjoying. I still haven't <laughs> watched anything past episode five, but I'll get there. You are moving at a Rolling Stone top 500. Yeah, I really am. And who's uh, on the other foot, and I am enjoying this. Stephanie Hsu, who is in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh, she's great. But to me, the star of the movie is Sabrina Wu, who I've never seen before. I guess she's a stand-up comedian. Her character's named Deadeye. And the basic plot is Ashley Park is... Uh, I think she's a lawyer and she was adopted by her parents are white, but she's adopted. So her and her best friend, who's played by Sherry Cola and Stephanie Hsu is also her friend, who's an actress in uh, China. So they're all decide, okay, we're going to take a road trip to China to meet her. I think it was for work and see if her birth mother is out there. It's more like her friend is scheming for her to meet her birth mother, even though she says she doesn't want to meet her. But it's it's just a setup for the comedy. Mm. But the fact that it's about that, I've never seen a story like that, even though you know it happens all the time, like um, being Asian, being adopted by white people. So to me, that was interesting. Yeah. Even though it's yeah. a comedy, that part of it was something I haven't seen before. Yeah, right. It's really funny. And Sabrina Wu, her character, <laughs> again, her name is Deadeye. She really doesn't have any friends. Her her <laughs> her main interactions are with people who are on a K-pop like fan site with her that she talks to. And that plays into it later in the movie. And it's pretty funny. And it's raunchy. I laughed a lot. Like I said, that story's different. Really funny movie. And I guess the box office wasn't great, but they kind of set up a sequel. So maybe I'm hoping maybe this is the type of movie where it gets this new life when people watch it on streaming or right. or whatever. And then they're like, okay, let's make another one. Cause it's, it's really funny. It's definitely going to make my top 10 for the year. Um, where's it on? I, I watched it on DVD, so I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Your DVD. Okay. Joyride. Yeah. All right. Good. Okay, we are now at uh, the uh, portion of this of the podcast where we go through Rolling Stones top 500 albums of all time. I am only going to do four albums tonight to set the stage for next week's huge finale. Uh, Amazing. I can't believe we're finally there. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to like uh, have a... Uh, um, I think I'm going to have like some some albums that I like, like I'm surprised they weren't on. Maybe I'll do that and then I'll figure something else out for, for 2024 that will take mm-hmm. me through 2028. Uh, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right, here we go. Album number nine, Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. Uh, we have discussed Dylan and Blood on the Tracks. Um, we did a podcast episode all about Bob Dylan with our friend Bruce Hollett. Um, which was very good. Um, this uh, this LP is generally recognized by pretty much every fan and critic as one of his best, if not his best. I per- it's personally my favorite. That's my favorite Dylan album. My favorite too. Uh, 
Um, I think that as far as like a breakup album, that's like, uh, you know, you just, you ripped my guts out. I hate you. Um, there's really, I don't think anyone's ever come close to it. There's just some devastating lines. Um, there's no bad song. You feel it. You I think, feel you, it. I mean, I felt like you feel it when you hear it, especially the first time you hear it, you're like, wow, this is different. Oh yeah. Yeah. I heard it driving to Chicago for the very first time. And uh, my girlfriend was uh, at the time was treating me wrong. That was a long, <laughs> and sad trip. I was like, Dylan, he's Dylan. <laughs> Once again, Beeve opening up to us. With yes. Yes. <laughs> Sharp wounds. Oh, man. See, I like to protect myself, but Beeve is more open to the world than I am. I'm going to let which you Which we know. must give him credit for. The spring of 1987, a, a brutal, a brutal drive. <laughs> I think that... Uh, We're going to have to write the screenplay for that, too. Absolutely. After the Jefferson Starship one. Which is totally going to be a, a great, would make a great movie. I think this is appropriately placed. I think nine is actually kind of perfect. Um, and if you, I think it's, I, I, I don't know if you can get it on Spotify, but there are now alternative versions of, uh, each song that you can listen to. And those are great too. They, they take some getting used to because you're like, oh, I don't like that because I'm so used to the other one. But, um, with- I feel like Dylan's kind of doing what Neil Young's doing. He's just, they're starting to release a lot of that kind of stuff now. I, it, the, that blood on the track stuff, terrific, terrific. Um, and, uh. I think it's I think it's funny too where Dylan says a lot of people tell me they really like that album and it's hard for me to relate to that. I mean, people enjoying my pain. <laughs> <laughs> it's empathy though. You're identifying with it. It's not like you're enjoying the pain. You know what that feels like. So And he says the things that so many of us feel and he like captures it. Like that's exactly he just said how I feel. And that's really tough to do. Yeah. Um so yeah, number this uh well deserved. Number eight, Prince and the Revolution, Purple Rain. Okay, here are my questions for you. Which album and we talk about Prince with our good friend Kirk Pincham, and we discussed uh Purple Rain at length. Um, I agree that this is a top 10 all-time album, and I like it because uh it puts together all kinds of styles. You have like the kick-ass guitar, you've got the funk, um, you've got just um an incredible band, great songwriting, great singing. It's just it, it, and it's and it's so creative. It's it's the lyrics are like out of nowhere. This guy talking about like purple, uh thing, all things purple and masturbation and <laughs> <laughs> he's nuts yep. and uh um now my question for you is this so purple rain made the all-time top 10 thriller did not where do you stand on which album is better i love purple rain so i i i, I agree you pick purple rain yeah i love it i think i do too and they'll always be kind of linked together won't they um the two of them and they're it's it and they both died young um yeah. as well so um yeah tremendous album i i completely agree um with its placement here number seven fleetwood mac rumors we also talked about fleetwood mac on a podcast uh very popular one which is doing very well uh and since then i've really got into a big fleetwood mac kick i've listened to this 
to Tusk, to uh, Mirage, to Tango in the Night, and the first album with Lindsey Buckingham, I think it's just called Fleetwood Mac. That's the one with Rhiannon and Landslide on it. I love that. All great. All, all of them great. And I can't tell whether like Rumors is, I don't feel that it's head and shoulders above those other three. Well, maybe above Mirage. I th- I really like Rumors. What uh, were the three you were saying? Say it again. Tusk, Mirage. That's the one with Hold Me and Gypsy. Yeah. And and then the other one is the the one that was before Rumors. I think it's just the, the self I think self-titled. It's, yeah. I think it's just called Fleetwood Mac. I don't, Mirage maybe, but the other two I think are both great too. So. Yeah. So I feel like either, you know, I mean, Rumors I think is on here because it's sold nine gajillion copies and it's, it's, it's the stories. It's the stories. And it's how it was recorded as well. All the drama. Yeah. But I still, I don't know if this is a top 10 album all time. I think this would be like a top maybe 50 or 60. I mean, it's great. I don't know. Top 10 seems high. Um, It's got all the stuff I said, though, behind it. That's why it's so high. For me, from hearing rumors so much, and I like the album, it's going to be in my list. mm -hmm. Not that high, though. Yeah. But you heard every song a billion times. A billion times. So if I'm going to listen to a Fleetwood Mac album, and I like rumors, but I'm not going to reach for it first. I'm going to talk. Tusk or Fleetwood Mac first. And well, definitely Tusk first, Fleetwood Mac second. And why is that? Because Tusk is a double album and you don't really hear any of those songs anymore. Right. And it's I a agree. great album. I agree. And Fleetwood Mac, you might hear some of the songs, but not as much as you've heard the songs on Rumors. Agreed. I agree. <laughs> but there's no there's no denying how I mean Rumors is great. I'm not gonna say great that. Album. But yeah. It's a great album, no doubt about it. Um the final song, uh final album, you mean final, I mean the final album for tonight uh features one of the great songs of all time, and that's Smells Like Teen Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh the album is Nevermind by Nirvana. We discussed this on our grunge episode. Uh just type in grunge and our pod will pop right up. <laughs> that was so long ago, I wonder what we said about Nirvana and Nevermind. I first of all, I think everyone remembers where they were when they first heard Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um, that's how much of an unbelievable impact it made. Um, so to me, that's a mark of a, you know, an all-timer. It, it, like, if, if you could talk about one song that changed, you know, just so much for, you know, the music industry, that would that would be it. And But I don't think the rest of the album, and that that's no fault of Nirvana, I think they made solid records. I think they really did. But, you know, I think that Smells Like Teen Spirit was like in the stratosphere. So to me, Smells Like Teen Spirit is an all-timer, but this album is not top 10, in my opinion. I think it's it's quirky. It's great. I think it belongs. It, it, it kick-started a whole music revolution but i think it should be like 30 or 40 instead of not that much of a difference though number six well if you're top 10 that's like you're talking it's a great album though i don't have any problem with it being that high it's pretty high up in mine and i have i mean i love this album and i love mtv unplugged but i'm not like a giant nirvana fan because i don't like in utero right this album is great every song I I don't know that every song is great, but but it's uh but every song is really good. Uh, there's so, a couple that I could kind of skip. This was uh, the grunge episode. I pulled it up. 28th episode. Yeah. And <laughs> this was back for those of you who are new to Jag Bags, early on we did the recap and the single subject podcast together. Then we decided to separate them. Yes. It was <laughs> On Beeb's description of this, he wrote, if Len hates jazz so much, why does he continually bring it up? 
<laughs> so there will be some jazz discussion on that one if you're going to listen to it. Uh, that was in the grips of the pandemic, so we said a lot of weird things back then. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, yeah, to sum up, I think it's a, I think it's a great album, great, great album. Um, and that's it. Next week, the grand finale. We should like have that podcast at the circus or something. There's got to be something special going on. Flame eaters and <laughs> juggling. Yeah, some cake. Some gymnasts, trapeze artists. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Yeah, we need we need to do this up, Eve. It's amazing. It's like what we're we're gonna be done. It's like coming to the end of a large novel. You're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Beave has finished Infinite Jest. Well, next week you will finish Infinite Jest. <laughs> That's uh, what me and Beave are. That's our nickname. We're the Infinite Jesters. We are the Infinite Jesters. Yes. <laughs> it needs a criticism. Oh right, Beave is ready to fall asleep. So I'm going to zip through my 500 favorite albums. Let's rock this. All these, to some extent, we've talked about in some form. So I'll, I'll make it quick. Number. I love this album. <laughs> I love it. A little yawn talk from Beeve. <laughs> so good. Number 205 is So by Peter Gabriel. Came out in 1986. I want to be with you. I want to be clear. But each time I try, it's the voice that I hear. I hear that voice again. I hear that voice again. Great. voice is that voice again. Plus Red Rain in your eyes. Mercy Great. Straight. Great song. Fifth album. Five times platinum. Got a nomination for best album of the year at the Grammys. Sledgehammer got three nominations. That was a huge hit off the album. Big Time was a really big hit too. And I read today that I know my original vinyl copy had In Your Eyes in the middle of the album oh yeah so did this this one the cd version is but peter gabriel likes in your eyes last he feels like that should be the last song on the album interesting but yeah and five i said that already i think five times platinum yep uh stuart copeland plays on red rain which great song i didn't know that yeah and uh he doesn't like titling albums because it distracts from the sleeve design interesting it got great reviews except of course our good friend bobby c <laughs> said it was lukewarm uh number two hit number two on the charts it was number 35 for 1986 it was number 21 for 1987 that's how huge it was wow and then a couple of years later it was in say anything which has kind of cemented it as a song everybody's gonna know yep just because of that scene with john cusack and the boombox also, I mean, I feel like this this album has a chance to just last a really long time. Plus, Kate Bush does Don't Give Up on there with him. And Kate Bush has a resurgence because of Stranger Things. Right. And Peter Gabriel has a new album out now. The Sledgehammer video is famous because it was such a eye-catching original. Sledgehammer was a number one hit. Big Time was a number eight. And In Your Eyes was number 26. But I feel like out of all those, In Your Eyes is the most famous one now. So, so. And we talked about this in my 10 favorite concerts of all time. When he was touring for this album, his concert was incredible. Yeah. And then the next three are all the same band, Beeve. Really? It's U2 Week. At wow. Jabba. We're going to start up with number 204, All That You Can't Leave Behind. Came out in 2000. Excellent album. Walk on, walk on. What you got, they can't steal it. No, they can't even feel it. Walk on, walk on, stay safe tonight. So this album came out before September 11th, but this song got adopted as part of that process for healing after all those terrible events. And it makes sense, especially reading these lyrics. 
I remember there was a video afterwards and you, you kind of got an idea why it hit people so hard. And I love, I love that song. Walk on plus New York elevation in a little while. The one hit on the album was a beautiful day. And also one record here. Here's an interesting fact. I found out beautiful day won record of the year Grammy. Yeah. And then walk on one next year. Interesting. Two and the same album, two years in a row. Years in a row. Got that, pretty good reviews. That'd be rare. Uh, number three, hit number three in the charts, 153 for 2000. It must've been released late in 2000. And then it was number 26 for 2001, uh, 68th best selling album of the decade four times platinum i didn't even mention stuck in the moment that you can't get out of which is another really good song in this album it's a good album yeah good i like it all the way I like through. A lot. we have a youtube podcast next one check that out yes that's why i'm not gonna go super in depth number yeah. 203 unforgettable fire come on 1984 Jeez. early morning april 4 shot rings out in the memphis sky free at last they took your life they could not take your pride pride i remember hearing that song the first time like wow what a great song oh yeah yeah it also has bad sort of homecoming the title truck the uh that's not the title track sort of homecoming fourth of july pride was their first top 40 hit hit number 33 <laughs> bobby c praised it but almost comes off as faint praise a skeptic believes temporarily in miracles all right <laughs> <laughs> this hit number 12 on the charts, and it was three times platinum. Number 202, War, came out in 1983. I will sing, sing a new song. How long to sing this song? How long to sing this song, Beave? <laughs> 40, which I think is a great anthem. That album is terrific. It's got so many. It's really just might be their most rocking album. Yeah. And just like Sunday, Bloody Sunday, New Year's Day, Two Hearts Beat as One. That's why I have it higher than the. I like all these albums, but that's why I put War a little bit ahead. Yeah. This was their third album, hit number 12 in the charts. It was their first gold album. <laughs> Another nice bit of trivia. Three tracks feature the backing vocals of the Coconuts, of <laughs> Kid Creole and the Coconuts fame. Uh, New Year's Day was the first song to chart in the actual top 100 in the U.S. Got pretty good v reviews, and it went four times platinum. All right, and... I didn't know it sold that much. I think it's initially... I don't. It's just through years, eventually it hits oh, four yeah, times platinum. And it's a great album, so... It's a great album. All right, before B falls asleep to finish up, I do have a bone to pick for you. I know you're ready to go to sleep. I sent you a memo. And I said, we have separate offices. We have separate buildings. Stop having Alex come in to check on Ron Ron. So I don't have this CD with me. <laughs> I did see Brad Underwood making a speech in a locker room. Held it up and said, everyone, this is Elton John's greatest hits. As it a, came out in 1974. As Holy Moses, I have been deceived. Now the wind has changed direction and I'll have to leave. Won't you please excuse my frankness, but it's not my cup of tea. And that inspired the Illini to beat Rutgers. I like the fact that you just casually walk past locker rooms looking for Brad Underwood. And <laughs> uh, he's, uh, He's got way too many of my CDs. <laughs> 
He's got a, he's built a couple of shelves and just a, a little post-it note just says, Len, do not open. But this is how popular this album was. It's greatest hits album. This wasn't Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or Madman Across the Water. Number one for 10 weeks. Uh, Border songs, the one I quoted, I love that song. Your song, Daniel, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. And like we talked about with All Notes and a couple other greatest hits albums, I always like to see what was excluded. Yeah, yeah. So this one doesn't have Tiny Dancer, Levon, or Bitches Back. And they think it was partly because Border Song might have been one of the breakthrough songs for Elton John. And it was the best-selling album of 1975 and also was the 99th best-selling album for 1976. And it is 17 times platinum. I believe it. It's got Honky Cat, Good Night, Yellow Brick Road, Saturday Night, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, Rocket Man, Crocodile Rock, and unfortunately, Benny and the Jets. That's the only... That uh, that did not make your top... Did that make your top five uh, along Yes, with- it did. Benny and the yeah. Jets did. And yeah, this- I don't like Benny and the Jets. But we used to play this album all the time in my house. All the time. I, I we also have an Elton John podcast episode. And I think... I, I know I was in high school when I discovered this album. And I assume... That was my introduction to Elton John. Besides like what you heard on the radio, like I'm Still Standing and all his 80s hits. Oh, so you didn't know the 70s yet, huh? I really didn't know... Like, you know, you, you'd heard a few like Philadelphia Freedom, like they would play on the radio. Yeah. Or and um, or Benny and the Jets. and But to get it on tape, you, yeah, you're just like, oh, this was this was awesome. And I think yeah. it was, I, I think for a lot of people that was their introduction, to, their real introduction to Elton John. It was that album, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, we had this growing up. It was, it's it's great, great choices. I would take Benny and the Jets off and put uh, Levon on there, but that's just me. Yeah. And that's Len, it. Len has a, a playlist on his Spotify that says the real Elton John. <laughs> the actual Elton John. <laughs> Let me introduce you to truth. Yes. <laughs> this is, he just has it, just says, it just reads correct. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, that wraps up. Guess what, Beef? Next week, I start with number 200. Ooh. We going to be a big progress. week next week. Yeah, we're making progress. He finishes up his... And I'm I'm all the way up to 200 already. I think I need to. I think what I'm going to do is think about albums that I really liked that I think had a case, or you know, like why aren't they in there? And and maybe you just do a few there until yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, the director of that San Francisco Sounds documentary. I knew her name was familiar. She is known for the Go Go's documentary. Same person. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. Same director. Um, so I knew the name was familiar uh that's it thanks so much for listening to our recap episode and check us out on social media we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter so drop us a line uh let us know maybe there's a topic you want us to go through maybe you've been hankering for an app podcast episode on brad underwood his entire career <laughs> From start to finish, in Brad Underwood will have a playlist for you. Maybe, maybe there is a. Uh, and right- I will recognize all of them, all of the songs, <laughs> and all the albums, all of the compact discs. What we don't know is that Brad Underwood has secret Spotify playlists, also just named Len, and uh, <laughs> that uh, he has compiled. That a son of a bitch. Over the months. <laughs> and so, uh, but that's for another day. Uh, also, please subscribe to us. We are available wherever fine podcasts are found. Click that button, write us a review. You will get two episodes per week delivered to your device. Subscribe today. Thanks very much. For I might even talk about jazz. What? No, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs>
when you're well, on that note, when you're ready to listen, <laughs> bags in your ear. Mm-hmm.